Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 465. Take your dream, write it down, you know, where you're going to see it every day as a reminder that this is where you're headed and this is what you want to do and be. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jeff Mosing. Jeff, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Good morning. Yes, sir, I am. Uh, got all my five-point harness hooked up and ready to go. All right, good. And Jeff is just coming off of a weekend as we're recording this uh, Daytona 24-hour, so I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about the adventures there where he had some really nice success. Jeff Mosing is the CEO and director of Mosing Motorcars in Austin, Texas. He started racing professionally in 2009 and runs in the SCCA's Mazda MX-5 Cup, the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge, the Continental Sports Car Challenge, and the IMSA WeatherTech Series. He also buys and sells collector cars. Mosing Motorcars has been open since 2012. His own collection includes an eclectic mix from a 1957 Oldsmobile 98 to a 2015 Porsche 918 Spider. At Mosing Motorcars, they send off each car that they sell with its new owner and their slogan, Drive Yourself Happy. I like that. So Jeff, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your business, your racing, and of course your passion for automobiles. Yeah, it's uh I mean it started at a, a really young age, you know, um I had a fairly large family of uh, five and um uh, my oldest brother Brent for one reason or another he liked to work on cars and and stuff and uh had the opportunity to hang out with him while he was restoring a, a 1953 uh, MGTD in our garage. Cool. And thankfully, we continued to own the car until I was old enough to actually drive it. Uh, so I really got an appreciation for the for all the inner workings of the car and, and how the, the carburetors would load up at traffic lights. And my brother showed me how to to purge them out. And, you know, it, it was a very involved type of driving. And I found it really interesting, you know, that that it wasn't just about sitting behind the wheel of the car, you know, that you had to really jump in with both feet and get uh, get involved. I can remember being 11 years old. My brother Tim had a 76 Trans Am that uh, needed a set of headers, 
uh, put on. And, uh, you know, he uh, didn't want me getting in the way, so I wasn't able to work on it. At least I didn't think so. He wakes me up at 1030 at night and asks me to come help because I'm the only one with hands small enough to put the bolts on the headers. <laughs> it, it really was uh, a thrill to be able to to work on the car and see the end result of the, you know, better performance and stuff. So I got kind of hooked on cars at an early age, just from the influence of my brothers and uh, my brother Brent actually, which is currently racing with us in the continental sports car series. Still, we still do it together. You know, he, uh, he got me involved in uh, the auto crossing and the road racing uh, later on in 1996 you know, the racing actually gives us an opportunity about 10 to 12 times a year to get together and uh, catch up face to face. It's really interesting how it's kind of come full circle and that we, we both are involved in the sport professionally. Well, the passion definitely started young and we're going to learn more about your racing and of course your business as we move through here. I always like to start our journey by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? I know you love to drive, Jeff, so take the wheel. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, there was one that just stuck out really big time since the beginning of uh, of a journey here in Austin. And uh, it was a, a mantra that we, we stick by and we live by. It's drive yourself happy. <laughs> in the early stages of getting a, a business started, worked with a, a marketing company, we reviewed colors, logos, you know, slogans and, and you know, how we were going to market things. And ultimately, I had to come up with my own logo. It's based loosely on a kind of a wheel spinner. Oh, yeah. Off of a, uh-huh. And it's it's actually an outline of the, uh, the one that came off of a car that I own. It's a 1965 Healy. It's just a simple two-wing uh, spinner. Uh-huh. And then we, we put the M in the middle. And I was like, well, you know, it's, I was kind of like paying these guys all this work to do. They didn't get the logo right, but I'll tell you what, they started reading off a list of different things and I would just sit back and listen. And I'm I'm the kind of guy that I'm not wishy-washy about anything. I'm either 100% for it or 100% against it. <laughs> and they kept reading these these phrases off and I'm like, no, no, no. Bing! I was like, <laughs> I winner, like that winner. one. Yeah, I like that I one. I said, oh my God, this is perfect. So I hold it so dear to my heart as far as just the philosophy, how we do the business, how we run the race car program, that I actually trademarked it. And nice. it had been used in the past very vaguely, I think, by a writer. But I wanted to make sure that we just, we wouldn't lose lose sight of that and lose the ability to use that phrase. It really sticks. You know, people people see it and they, they kind of know where it's, it's come from. And, uh, Mantras, um, slogans, uh, sayings are so important with companies because many times, most of the time, what they should signify is the why about your business, why you're in business and why somebody should do business with you. And if you can grab a slogan like yours that can answer that question for both those people, I think you've hit a home run. So you did with that one. You talked about when you're a little boy, you know, hanging out with your brothers, uh, hopefully getting to work on their cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life that you really realized that you were a car guy, just like your brothers were? Yeah, I mean, it it was, uh, you know, I don't know what boy, you know, didn't grow up with Hot Wheels. That was kind of a big thing. I'm not 100% sure on this. I'd have to go back and check. But I was born in 68, and I think the Hot Wheels came out right about that time or a little bit before then. Yeah. It was something, you know, to collect and, and I'd actually trade, you know, with people. It's kind of funny, like it was the miniature version of what we're doing now, sort of. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, 
being passionate for cars and deciding which ones I want in my collection. And, you know, if I've, if I've enjoyed them and I want to push them on to somebody else, I try to figure out what, what I want to, you know, maybe put in its place. It's something a little bit different. So, you know, we all grew up with those. And, uh, the other thing was, um, I remember, uh, my mom, you know, she, she would get me all these different toys and I had a helicopter that was made out of clear plastic and you could see all the gears moving inside and how the helicopter worked. Uh-huh. Well, the first thing I did was I borrowed my, my dad's toolbox and I took it apart and my mom freaked <laughs> out and thought, you wrecked your helicopter. Son. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're never going to get that back together. And my dad was like, don't worry, he'll figure it out. And, yeah. uh, I would methodically just take it apart and put it back together because I love to figure out how it worked. You know, I really carried that into adulthood because, you know, growing up, just wanting to work on cars, figure out how they work. Um, And then later on, now when we drive them, especially in the race car environment, it's really good to be able to relay to the engineers exactly what the car is doing and kind of understand what we feel in the car you know if you've never taken them apart and put them back together or really experienced them it's kind of hard to know where it's coming from so jeff i'd love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and uh, do something you're not afraid of doing get our hands a little dirty here and ask you to share with me a huge challenge or even better great failure that you faced along the way in your career your business your racing perhaps but the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you that we can help other people if they're going through similar challenges? Yeah, I'd, I'd give this one some thought. You know, there was a few monumental things that happened in my life. I have a, a son with autism, which uh, forced uh, me and my first family to move here to Austin mm-hmm. because there was better resources for him here. Mm. And uh, there was some other things that were really putting our, our marriage and relationship under a lot of stress. And uh, this was back in, I guess, uh, 2009, 2010, when we first moved here. I wasn't working for our family company anymore. I was really wanting to pursue that dream of buying and selling cars. Mm -hmm. And my my first wife just just would not have any any part of it. She didn't respect my passion and hobby of restoring and fixing up cars and racing. And and, uh, she did everything she could to derail it. Mm -hmm. It's not that I was spending a ton of time doing it. She just was capable of of snuffing it out. Thankfully, uh, you know, my wife uh, 2.0, I like to call her. She's (laughs) awesome. Not only does she support me on my passion, she's very passionate about cars herself. She's got a few different you know, nice cars and she, she and really enjoys driving. And so she gets, she gets it. She understands that my first one really didn't get it at all. Yeah. So. You know, I've heard from so many guests, the importance of a spouse, a partner being so supportive and that helps them get through, especially those challenging times when you're, you know, you've picked uh, two professions here, buying and selling cars, which is a challenge and then racing, which <laughs> is a huge challenge. So if you don't have sure. teammates around you that are supportive, it really, really makes things challenging. And I've had several guests, too, with children that have autism and the challenges they face there with helping their child get through life and uh, the lessons that you learn from that. So I appreciate you sharing some really personal stories there and discovering ways to move forward and uh, make things more positive in your life. Very, very important. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had a career aha moment. I like to say it's when those headlights shine the way down the road and illuminate a way for a new new direction, a new idea that you had. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. The aha moment that I kind of had, I guess, you know, it was all a timing thing. 
when we did move to Austin in 2006, the uh, the idea about opening up a dealership became a little bit more imminent because Lafayette, Louisiana is a smaller town. It's probably about you know, 115,000 people now. Oh, and yeah, uh, that's small. Austin's a good bit. Yeah, Austin's a good bit bigger yeah. with about a million people plus. And uh, Central Texas, you know, it's just a good area. It, it had it had a much better kind of grounds to to be able to look into, to do some feasibility and see if, if a little boutique collection car kind of place would, would take off. Mm-hmm. And um, there really wasn't, there was some of it going on in the hill country to the West, but but they do all their stuff online and they don't really openly welcome people to come in and take a look at things at a showroom. And uh, there was one building, it's really funny how things just, the timing is everything because, you know, this one building that I really wanted to, I thought would be a good location for it it was available but they weren't really negotiating well on it and you know it's like well it's just not the right time or whatever and then i had to end up going through my divorce so you know thankfully none of the none of the business stuff was involved yet after the divorce was over i was able to focus a little bit more on this project and um then the turns out the building goes up for sale ironically enough at a much more reasonable price due to one of the owners having to go through a divorce. Oh goodness. So, oh my gosh. Unfortunately, but but it all like I said, just the important part I guess was the timing. Because if you know, if it had started any sooner, I don't know that if it would have worked right. It's just funny how, how things work out that way. Yeah, timing is everything, that's for sure. Now how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you that you could share with us? It was really pretty cool when the first car that we sold, you know, went out the door and we took pictures with the new owner. Oh, yeah. It was a, a little a little lady from Wimberley, which is most of the cases that I see. You know, people come in there and they want to relive some part of their life again mm-hmm. and make it better. And uh, she had a 63 or 64 VW Bug when she was going to college. And uh, <laughs> we had a one owner, like one owner original car, like original paint. Wow. It had 100,000 miles on it, but it was it was a you know, it was used, but it was well taken care of. And, you know, she came in and and we went back and forth and she felt intimidated right away. And I said, look, I'll show you exactly what I pay for this deal, you know, and fair for you. And and, uh, she was so happy when she left. And and I didn't expect this part. And this is like just the icing on the cake. But she contacted us a year later and had already named the car, which I don't find is too uncommon. I do it myself. Um, (laughs) Let us know that that baby was doing great. And she sent us pictures. (laughs) Yeah. She sent us pictures and everything. And, 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 you know, that kind of success trumps any amount of money that we made on the sale. Yeah. There's nothing like that first dollar you earn in a new venture and making your client happy at the same time. It's just a wonderful combination. There you go. Now let's have a little bit of fun here. You've had many, many cars, but what was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. This question, as far as the first special car, was was pretty clear cut because my first car was a '79 Ford LTD. Not my favorite car. <laughs> Maybe not but, your first my, special car. <laughs> yeah, and my dad had the right idea. He knew how you know how I like to push the envelope on things, and uh, it's better to put me in something that I'm gonna not something too nice to tear up for my first car. So yeah. he gave me some incentive and, and I'm, I can't make this up, but there was a 1970 Dodge Challenger convertible that literally belonged to the little old lady down the street, like five houses down. Mm-hmm. I grew up seeing the car. She was the original owner. And I started 
visiting with her and asking if I could wash it for her and slowly kind of got her motivated to see if, you know, she'd want to sell it. And the only thing that my dad put as a carrot out for that was if if you bring your grades up, start paying attention better in school, you know, we'll look at getting you that car. And Mm -hmm. so like I had it before, you know, I think it was my sophomore year, junior year. It was really just a shot in the arm. You know, it made me feel better about, I mean, just this much cooler, you know, different than anybody else had at school. You know, they all had modern cars and I wasn't really big on modern cars at the time. I really liked the classic stuff. I don't know why I'm so nostalgic. You know, it could be because I was time clock is a little bit skewed, but, um, but, uh, you know, having that car and and just remembering times that, uh, you know, I, I dated this girl for about six to eight months that was 90 miles away and I'd have to just make a a trip every weekend for six months uh, uh, back and forth. Well, and in an older car too. So I spent, you know, a lot of time making sure the car was just up to top tune and, you know, was able to make the trip without a, without a fuss. And it always did. It always took me there and back without leaving me on the side of the road. We didn't have cell phones. And so you just made sure you could make it from A to B. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. You know, having the, the top down and just, you know, there's certain times that you're in, in a, in any kind of car, you know, you just, it leaves an impression like a soundtrack or a, or a video memory that just, puts a parking spot into your head and you'll never ever forget it and you you know as you get older you're going to continue to strive to just have that feeling again mm-hmm. and i think i think with the collector car market there's a lot of that going on people really just you know bid on cars and and want to pick up things that and uh, so this this 70 dodge challenger for sure was a, a pretty special car to me absolutely now, how about a vehicle that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? And this isn't so much about how prices have escalated on collector cars. It's more of an emotional tie. Is there a vehicle you let go that you really wish you hadn't? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of them. I mean, the 70 Dodge Challenger was one for sure that I was almost kind of forced to sell it at one certain point in the, in that previous marriage we talked about. But the one that I bought new, it was my first new car, uh, was a, a black uh, 1987 5-liter uh, trunk LX. And this was long before they were hugely popular like they are today. I mean, they're popular from drag racing to road racing to autocrossing and everything in between. Mm-hmm. But this was early on before the craze, you know, took place. Yeah. And I uh, special ordered it like I wanted within about a hundred miles of ownership. I had left two marks in front of the dealership, which I told the service manager, I'm like, watch when I go to leave, I'm going to leave two of the biggest marks you've ever seen. in front of them. <laughs> And it had 0.2 miles on it, you know, and, and I was just driving the wheels off of this thing. And like I said, in the first hundred miles, I had gone to a drag race that Friday night, may or may have not street raced it on Saturday night. And then we had an autocross on that Sunday. So, you know, I just was really enjoying every inch of that car for what it was. Yeah. And um, being really young and, and not really being able to afford more than one car at a time, I uh, got to a point, I had it about a year and a half, I think two years. And I had a guy offer me about exactly the same price as what I had uh, bought the car for because I'd done a few different things to it. And I was willing to let, you know, let that go in the price. But uh you know, he offered to buy it and I had my eyes on something else. So I think I needed a pickup truck at the time. And not even a month after I sold it, I really just was, was reeling about, I need to get myself in another, you know, manually shifted car. I really miss this Mustang. And <laughs> I, I have a deal now where, you know, when I go to sell a car, 
you know, I try to make sure that the uh, the new owner, you know, knows that I would like to get first rider refusal uh, when they go to sell it again. And I've actually honored that uh, for cars that are in my collection, mm-hmm. you know, because of this fact that there is sort of an emotional bond, you know, that you get with a car sure. for, for all of these experiences that it provides you. This is one for sure that I wish that uh, I hadn't have let go for sure. It, it was uh, – you can always go back and buy the same exact 87, you know, black five. It, it wouldn't be – you know, it wouldn't be my car like that I remember with the – I even ordered it with the roll-up windows. You know, that was that was still available because it was lighter weight and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, was, I was pretty crazy about that little car. Absolutely. Now, how about with the new year being here, what are some current projects and things that you guys are – working on there that really have you excited and fired up a couple of projects going on right now for this year uh, that i'm really excited about uh, uh winning the uh in the racing side on the in the porsche gt3 cup you know we wrapped up the gold series which is the older platform it's based on the 997 uh, gt3 cup car i'll be running in the platinum series uh this year with the new, the brand new 991 GT3 Cup, it's a paddle shifted car, mm-hmm. a little bit more technology, much more lateral grip. Really excited to to see what the competition has, uh, you know, in there. It, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. And then also on the dealer side, this is something new for us uh, for this year. And I guess no better time than the present, but uh, it looks like we're going to be the dealer for the South Texas region for all the super performance uh, sports cars the ones that are replicas based on the cobras from the 60s oh yeah uh so we'll be rolling out uh superformance products uh here in the coming months and uh myself kirk and eric that work with me we're all just really excited to get that brand bring it into the in central texas uh, market we're really looking forward to that so that's that's just super exciting it's a new venture and uh, you know with it comes some anxiety but but i think we'll be fine and uh it should be a really good experience. It'll be a lot of fun. Are you working with uh, Lance Dander on that? Absolutely. Lance has been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, Superformance, of course. So he's an awesome guy. I think you're going to have a spectacular time uh, interfacing with him and his company. And of course, the cars are are fabulous. Of course. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I've I've been a I've been a customer for I guess uh, myself for about eight years now or mm-hmm. nine years. We I purchased the GT40. Oh, nice. A uh, Golf edition back in in 07 and we put it together and stuff and that was my first opportunity to meet Lance and and, uh, just really looking forward to uh, to to that relationship it's going to be a lot of fun it'll get us opportunities to get cars in that you know we normally wouldn't be able to they have a a Corvette Grand Sport uh, Mm -hmm. with the LS power they've got uh, a Lotus Caterham you know style Lotus 7 yeah car uh, that and we've already got actually two people that are already asking about them and we don't even have them on the floor yet so nice, nice. it's going to be it's going to be really exciting uh yeah uh, to, to to get that relationship started up and going and and we're looking forward to success in the future with that absolutely good luck with all that now here's a very introspective question for you Jeff if you were a car what kind of car would you be and why I looked at this and I'm I'm like if you were a car you know, what would you be? And I've got different cars in my collection and, and, um, they're, they're like my Motley crew of misfits. You know, there's just, uh, people come in and they'll look at the collection and they don't, they don't really see any particular theme going on. I'm definitely a Porsche guy at heart, but it doesn't, uh, completely overshadow other, uh, makes and models that I have. Mm -hmm. The thing about owning all these different cars is they put you in different moods, 
when you drive them. Some can scare you. Some can make you happy. Some can, you know, they just, they all have these different mood altering kind of uh, <laughs> abilities. You know, I thought about it. I think that, that one of the cars that I would have to be is uh, something that would be kind of subtle in appearance, but it would have just absolutely stellar performance without showing off its personality when it's parked. Uh-huh. You know, something that just kind of catches somebody's eye, but, oh, that's nice. And then you fire it up and they're like, holy crap, what the, <laughs> you know, what kind of, what's he got under the hood, yeah. you know, kind of. Th- I love, I love the, the walk softly, but carry a big stick or, uh-huh. you know, like the sleeper kind of stuff where yeah. it's just real subtle, but it's got just outstanding performance. And, uh, so what kind of car would that be? I think it would probably be an air-cooled Porsche, you know, like a 911, you know, anywhere from the early 60s uh, up all the way up into the late 80s. You know, mm-hmm. the, the cars were essentially the same. And, you know, I just – the simplicity of these cars, which me, I, I don't like complicated things. I'm, I'm more of a simplistic, you know, kind of thing, and the air-cooled cars are definitely – straightforward and uh, there's no power you know in most of the cases there's no power steering power brakes uh, absolutely no no nannies no abs Mm -hmm. you know full manual transmission uh, no stability control i i like that kind of purity and i feel like i I try to be that kind of person inside you know straightforward Mm -hmm. straight shooter pure you know not trying to hide by any by any facades or 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 not not try to be somebody who i'm not yeah. And uh, the the port the air cooled Porsches are pretty straightforward. There's no smoke and mirrors, you know, with those cars. And uh, that's the kind of driving experience I like. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to it, because inside, that's probably me. <laughs> Great choice. I love it. So, Jeff, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life car covers front end masks dash covers seat covers floor mats and much much more covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle covercraft is the right choice i use them on all my vehicles and your special vehicles will love them too learn more today at covercraft.com and you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, Cars Yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. 
Okay, Jeff, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer and you know what that means. The white flag is out. It's time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Mm-hmm. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best automotive advice I've received is uh, from my co-driver, Eric Foss. You know, he told me a long time ago, he said, I'm going to keep racing until it's not fun anymore. And sometimes we're forced into jobs for pay. But, you know, ultimately life is too short to take, you know, not take the happy route. So you got to do that as much as possible, even though you need to take a pay cut. There you go. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success? Don't worry too much about uh, what the competition is doing. Focus on yourself (laughs) and the results will definitely come. Absolutely. How about a resource? Is there one in particular that you like that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would enjoy as well? For sure. I mean, some of the resources we use, like almost on a daily basis, you know, Hemmings, uh, both online and the, and the written copies are, are great resources for uh, looking for that car of your dreams. And uh, uh, Haggerty Insurance, you know, we know those guys. They're great. Mm-hmm. We've done some stuff with them, and they're they're really passionate about the cars. And, you know, once you get your car, they'd be great guys to get insurance from. Of course, uh, you know, Jalopnik, uh, I was uh, – we have a f- couple of friends here in Austin that do articles for Jalopnik, and I didn't—I wasn't even aware about it until until I got to know them, and and I was pretty amazed at some of the stuff that they write up. It's it's really good writing. Well, we've had McKeel Haggerty on the show here, and uh, the mm-hmm. guy who runs Jalopnik's been on the show as well. So you've named off some great resources there. Absolutely. How about a book? Is there a book you've read recently that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, from the racing perspective, I really enjoyed uh, Vic Elford's books. You know, he's a legendary factory Porsche driver mm-hmm. uh, from the 60s and 70s. And he's he's really got some really neat, uh, just the, even not so much just the driving techniques, which he does go over. Yep. Uh, but he has an autobiography that, that just gets into the, the heart and soul of how hard it is to become a, a race car driver and a factory race car driver. And then um, a book that I've read recently, actually was uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. Yeah. And uh, it's a story through the eyes of a dog, basically, <laughs> like of the primary character in the book and uh, discusses the ups and downs again of racing and life, you know, how the two have to be intertwined and sometimes one steps on the other. And uh, no matter how hard it gets, you just got to keep trying and you'll get there. Garth's book has been recommended many, many times here on Cars. Yeah, I sure wish I could get him to be a a guest on the show. And Vic Elford's been a guest here, of course, uh, racing legend. I think he's driven every 917 uh, ever model ever made. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's an absolutely amazing person. He really is. Great history there. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources Jeff has shared with us at CarsYeah.com on Jeff Mosing's personal show notes page. And Jeff's last name is M-O-S-I-N-G. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. Last lap, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one, yeah, I said just one collector car in your garage, Jeff, but don't worry about the price because I'll buy whatever you like. I'll even call up McKeel Haggerty and he'll insure it for you. So there's no money involved here. It's more about passion. What would that one vehicle be and why? You know, with every new acquisition, uh, you know, there's expectations on what it can provide you as far as emotion and mood altering kind of experiences. But uh, we all grew up with one of those childhood heroes. And uh, as I get as I grow older, you know, there's there's a couple of cars that I haven't gotten yet. And there's one that I keep circling back to as much as I am a, a Porsche guy. 
but I'm, I'm a car guy at heart for any car. Ferraris are hard to ignore, and uh, that's why there's a good reason why they're most expensive cars on the planet. Mm-hmm. I have yet to purchase, but hope to one day, a V12 front engine powered Ferrari from the 60s. You know, they're not cheap for a reason. I, the noises these cars make will never be heard again. You know, with all the turbos coming out and smaller displacements and things, you know, the the older small displacement V12s are just incredible sounding. You can pull them up on YouTube and, and you'll see the evidence there. But mm-hmm. very specifically, this is one that I've, you know, I would love to, to it, if it had to be just one, the experiences that this car would be for a lifetime. But it'd be a, a 1962 to 64 uh, Ferrari Lusso. That would definitely be right there at the top of the list. Beautiful cars. Yeah. Fantastic cars. Great choice. And, oh, this one's going to cost me a pretty penny, I can see. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <Sorry. laughs> That's okay. What color would you like your Luso to be in? You know, I'm I'm really pretty passionate about the colors we pick, chose for our dealership. It's kind of a blood red, mm-hmm. sometimes kind of a brownish red, depending on how you see it. But uh, there is a racing red uh, Ferrari color. It's a Rosa Barchetta. That would be great. But, you know, um uh, those those cars look I've I've you know looked at them for years and and they look fantastic in any color. They do. Yeah, they're absolutely stunning. But if I had a choice it would probably be somewhere in the Bordeaux to to red, darker red, like the the original early Ferrari racing red yep. uh from the 50s and then the interior would be kind of a mocha, not beige but just a darker and not brown, just kind of right in between like a mocha or caramel colored uh, interior. You know, it would just make that wonderful V12 sound that just sends goosebumps up my arms. <laughs> there you go. I will begin my search for you. Yeah. Uh, let me know when you find it. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll ship it right down to Austin, Texas there. Don't worry. Jeff, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset? In your Luso? Yeah, it certainly is important to live life to the fullest. You know, don't try to stress about little things. And if it doesn't get done today, shoot for tomorrow, but not necessarily next year. (laughs) Yes. Take your dream, write it down, you know, where you're going to see it every day as a reminder uh, that you need to, you know, keep reminding yourself that this is where you're headed and this is what you want to do and be. Yep. You know, when I was a Young man out of college, I really wanted a Porsche 911, and so I bought this really cool poster, and I hung it above my desk on my first job. So every day when I walked in, I looked at it, and all day long I looked at it, and every night before I left, I looked at it, and you know what? Eventually, I got that red Porsche in my garage. So took a lot of hard work and effort, but uh, you're right. Visualizing, writing down your goals, very important. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? You can find us uh, on uh, the uh, internet, of course, uh, com. Of course, you can look us up on Facebook uh, and my personal accounts there, too. I don't have the, you know, a lot of the race car drivers will do a fan page, but I keep it personal and uh, I'm still making friends on Facebook through the racing industry. You uh, so you can find us there. And uh, Perfect. Well, listeners, you can find links again to everything Jeff shared with us on his very own show notes page at com. Just go to carsyad.com, type Jeff in the search bar, and that page will pop right up. Jeff, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having us, Mark. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyad.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. 
Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!